0: Australia, it's one in three girls and one in five boys will be sexually abused by their 18th birthday. Child predators will groom everyone around them so that if you know if you do speak up and say something or you feel uncomfortable about that person they won't believe you, they'll invalidate you, they'll side with that person, they'll protect that person. I truly don't think that they can be rehabilitated and to be honest I don't want them to be rehabilitated and come out into society. Once you do that to a child, it's just unforgivable. There's no second chances. Make sure you guys, yes, be very, very careful who is around your children and who is trying to spend a lot of alone time with your children. That's probably a really, really big red flag.
1: Welcome to the Babies and Boundaries podcast. My name is Maddie and I am on a mission to change the culture around postpartum. I am here to validate new moms experiences, help you set and enforce boundaries around your baby, and to protect and promote the mother-baby bond. Join me each week as we dive into these topics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Babies and Boundaries podcast. I am so excited this week because we have a very interesting guest coming on the show. This is Mel Watson. She is a former prison officer and child sexual abuse survivor. She's a proud mom of three who is using her Instagram platform to raise awareness about child sex abuse and empower victims. Thank you, Mel, for being here all the way from Australia. Um, I know I just gave a brief introduction, but I I'd love to have you share a little bit more about your story with my audience thank you so much for having me maddie i'm
0: honored to be here so i am a child sexual abuse advocate survivor i grew up in domestic violence i had a really horrible upbringing um and there was a lot of alienation there was a lot of fights between my parents And unfortunately, in the environment that me and my brother were in, I was sexually abused. So I was sexually abused at the age of four by a family member and also a next door neighbor. Um, Between the ages of eight to 10, I was also sexually abused in a public pool by an old man and at the age of 15 I was groomed by my dad's best friend. So I'm very passionate about helping all parents you know look for the signs and look out for their kids. I think it's so important that we are spreading this message and I'm really really excited that you have opened up your platform to this conversation.
1: Yes, thank you so much for sharing that about your background. I am so truly sorry that you endured such a horrible traumatic event at such a young age and I'm just so glad you have your platform and you're spreading awareness about this and getting this message out here. I think your background as a prison officer is so interesting. After working in the prison system, what is something that you can share about the treatment of child predators in prison? So I think from what I
0: look, I have a really big following on my page from America, which is crazy. And from what I've heard, Your guys' prison over there is a lot different um, to ours and the way that pedophiles are treated in our prisons. So over here, they are completely protected. Unfortunately, all the resources that could help survivors of child sexual abuse go towards pedophiles in prison. So they're completely separated. No one gets to them in prison. They get treated very, very well. And I think that's important for everyone to know that they do have the most resources here. And it's something that we, like a lot of advocates here, are trying to fight for to change because we need those resources for survivors. I think it's so important that people understand that.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so interesting because you talk about America versus Australia, because I've always heard that like the prison systems here, pedophiles get treated really badly. And there's like the stereotype that all, oh, you know, the pedophiles will get beaten up in prison. But that's so interesting that in Australia, that it's not the case. And they're advocating these resources for the predators instead of the victims. That's so disheartening. It's so
0: crazy because I do have a lot of um, people from America who actually comment on my posts and they'll be like, no, in prison here, they're treated really badly. They get bashed, but it's the complete opposite here. There's absolutely no access to them and they have their own prisons. And they actually, it's it's like a camp for them. They're teaching each other how to, you know, come out and learn even more things and learn even more ways to sexually abuse children. And it's, yeah, it's really, really bad here. I'm very interested to hear what the U.S. prison is like. From what I've heard, it is very different. But here, no, they are protected, they are safe, and they have the best resources in prison.
1: Wow, that is just so scary. I mean, when we're talking about crimes against children, I've always said, like, for some of these predators, like, jail is not enough. Like, some of these people are just so far removed and... I just, I can't believe they're actually being coddled and protected in prison. I just, oh, that makes me sick. I know.
0: I truly don't think that they can be rehabilitated. And to be honest, I don't want them to be rehabilitated and come out into society. Once you do that to a child, it's just unforgivable. There's no second chances
1: absolutely not I completely agree with you yeah there is just some things that are just not forgivable and so for a lot of these predators that are going back out into society do you think there's any second chances I mean do you think some of them could change or do you think once you commit this crime against a child it's something that you're probably never going to change from no I in my opinion
0: I absolutely do not think that they can change and people need to understand that once you commit this crime on a child, you're giving that child a lifetime of trauma that they have to heal from, that they have to live with. And these, these child predators just go back out and live their life like nothing happened. And a lot of them actually do come back in for reoffending. So no, I do not think that they can be I don't think they should get a second chance at all. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I know as parents, we want to be on the lookout for signs and red flags for predatory behavior around our children. Can you explain a little bit about what grooming is and how this tactic is used by predators? Of course. So grooming is the number one tactic
0: used by child predators. People need to um, be very aware that it's 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 like manipulation it pretty much is manipulation but it's done in a loving way so it's not just they don't just groom children they also groom the parents and that's a really really big thing that a lot of people don't don't know but they do try to earn the trust of the parents they try to build relationships with the parents and they basically will earn that parents trust so that the child because you know if a child sees you know their parent trusting another adult then they're automatically going to assume that that adult is a safe person and that's their tactic so they target their like they target children they target vulnerable children they go for weak family systems so you know single moms is definitely one of their big targets there's actually a um i've shared it on my page but there is a pedophile manual so it's completely legal um it's all over the internet yes it's completely legal so you can pretty much go on there and it will teach you how to target single mums there's categories on targeting childcare like working in childcare and obviously you know targeting children in there and it's yeah it's just so important to know that they do pick their victims so if you have a child who's going through a marriage breakdown with the family or you know they're not getting love at home they, they are really big targets because they are vulnerable and that is how they get to them. They get their trust. They give them love. They give them gifts. They give them something that they're missing at home and they u- utilize that and turn it into something sexual, unfortunately. Make sure you guys... Yes, be very, very careful who is around your children and who is trying to spend a lot of alone time with your children. That's probably a really, really big red flag.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about how I've just always thought anyone pushing for alone time with a child is a red flag to me, for sure. Definitely raising alarm bells. And I guess it's I just never really realized how strategic that these people are. I had no idea that there was a manual out there online that they're getting these tactics from. I mean, that's just... You think about how horrendous abusing a child is in that way, but I've just never realized how strategic these people can be. Yeah, no, they de- they definitely have a way to do it. I've talked a little bit on my Instagram about this, but something I'm teaching my child is that he doesn't have to hug or kiss any family that he does not want to. Matter of fact, we are not letting any extended family kiss our child. I just think that's like a personal, intimate form of affection. And I just don't feel comfortable with other people doing that to my child. But I would love to hear your opinion on this. Do you think children should be forced to kiss and hug family members? Absolutely not. Maddie,
0: I absolutely agree. I see a lot of what you, um, you know, what you're sharing and what you're advocating for. And a hundred percent, I don't think that anyone should be forcing their child to kiss any person, especially a family member. Um, I think a lot of people are stuck in that sort of old school way of like, it's rude not to kiss them, to give them affection. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll tell you this, 93% of victims know their abuser. So it's more likely to be in your family circle like in your inner circle friends or whatever so if you're forcing your child to kiss or give affection to someone and you know potentially something's happening like that's something you have to remember Um, and it's also body boundaries like children need to have body boundaries especially at a young age and they shouldn't be forced to go against those boundaries just to please other people so absolutely not I don't think that at all. I think you should let your child have that choice if they want to give someone a hug or a kiss, even if it's a grandparent. And and I'll say that because when I worked in prison and even on my page I talked to a lot of survivors, grandparents are offenders as well. So it's just so important that you are letting your child have that choice in who they give affection to. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I know another hot topic in the parenting community is sleepovers. I have shared with my audience that we aren't allowing our child to have sleepovers, and that seems to be a bit controversial, but to me, the risk just doesn't outweigh the potential benefit. I know statistically, so many children are experiencing abuse at sleepovers. So this is just something that we are foregoing, and I would love to know what are your thoughts on sleepovers? Do you allow your children to sleep over? Are you totally against it?
0: Sleepovers, again, very controversial. I see that debate all over Instagram all the time. People are arguing about it. For me personally, we don't do sleepovers. That's just my personal opinion. I love to have eyes on children, especially while they're young, because all this stuff is happening while they're young. But it's not just, I wouldn't say like with a sleepover, it's not just the risk of your child being you know, sexually abused by an adult child on child sexual abuse is actually really high and especially with pornography now that you know kids have access to that so easily it pops up in games and children are showing each other that at sleepovers so you might have the best you know device controls in your household and and stuff like that but if you send your child to another house you don't know what they're being exposed to and you don't know if those parents or adults are going to respect your rules. Um, I don't judge anyone who like does do sleepovers, but I always tell you to do it like in a more safe way. So make sure your child has their own device. They have their own phone so that they can contact you. If anything goes wrong, you guys um, like, you know, make a safe word with each other so that they can text this to you and they that means that you will come straight away. You don't want to rely on your child to have to contact you through the person that they're staying with because if something does happen, that's the person you're relying on to contact you. So always make sure you're sending your child with a device of their own and I would not be sending any children to a sleepover until they are well-educated on body boundaries and they have a basic understanding of child sexual abuse. It's really, really important.
1: Mm, That is such a great tip. I had never even thought of that. And yes, the exposure to pornography is absolutely something that my husband and I were very concerned about with our child. And it's just something we want to protect him from. The early exposure to pornography, I just feel like has contributed to just so much corruption in our children. And at all costs, I want to protect my child from that. Absolutely. It's really, it's honestly getting
0: so bad. Um, and it's, and you can't, you can't avoid it. It pops up in kids games. It's popping up, you know, there's been ones that have popped up on YouTube kids. So you really, you really need to actually be having discussions with your children quite young about pornography as well. There is some books on this for children and I can give you the links and all that stuff if you want to share that with your followers after. But I think I think now we're in the day and age where we need to be educating our children about inappropriate images and videos.
1: Absolutely. I saw a TikTok from a teacher who was saying that her first graders on the school bus were showing each other pornography, and I just couldn't believe that. I mean, first grade, that is just so disheartening.
0: Younger and younger, and unfortunately, we don't have any verification laws, so...
1: It's just, it's too easy to access for kids now. Yeah, I think here in the United States, there's a couple states that have just recently passed age verification laws for porn. That's from Uldos. I believe, yes.
0: I do a lot of work with her and Foundation Ra. She is doing amazing work trying to get that in place in um, pretty much everywhere in America. And hopefully she will bring it to. Australia.
1: Yes, that would be amazing. And I was just looking at the comments underneath one of the posts about on Instagram, and there was actually people arguing against it. And that's just something I can't fathom. How could anybody be against there being age verification laws for pornography? Why would you want children to see pornography? That just I, I can't wrap my mind around that. Absolutely. And it's not just that Maddie. I get people
0: who come on my page and argue that I am turning people against child predators. <laughs> There are a lot of people who are against this, it's unfortunate, but the best that we can do is all come together and educate our kids because parents are the first line of defense.
1: Yes, absolutely. The fact that anybody could ever defend this behavior, like, just just truly makes me sick. Yeah, I agree. Makes my blood boil, Maddie. (laughs) So a tough situation I know many moms face is feeling uneasy about a certain family member, but not feeling like their partner backs them up or agrees with them. And these moms are wanting to keep their child away from this person, but their partner is just not getting it. Can you give some advice to the moms who maybe have a bad feeling about a certain family member, but maybe their partner doesn't understand or thinks they're being, quote, too paranoid? That's actually really quite sad that that's
0: happening. But look, I'm I'm big on trusting your gut. You're a mother and you know your child best and you know how to protect them. If you feel uneasy about someone, there's a reason you unfortunately it's hard when you know you're in a partnership and you're both the parents and you both have a decision to make and the other one's not agreeing with you I think have that conversation with them let them know how you're feeling see if there is a way that you guys can come to a sort of negotiation on how you move forward with this person that's making you feel uncomfortable if that doesn't work all you can really do, honestly, is just watch your kid around that person. Never, ever let your child have alone time with that person. I Make any excuse you can to avoid it because if you're feeling that way, there's definitely a reason. And it doesn't have to be, you know, child sexual abuse. It could be anything. Um, and really also look at how your child is reacting with that person as well. If they're feeling uncomfortable or you can sense something's off, you are the one who needs to step in and protect your child and keep them safe from that person.
1: It can be so disheartening being on different pages with your partner about somebody and, yeah, just a very hard situation. Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately,
0: this is, this is where grooming comes in pretty much. Child predators will groom everyone around them so that if, you know, if you do speak up and say something or you feel uncomfortable about that person, they won't believe you, they'll invalidate you, they'll side with that person, they protect that person because that's that's the character that they've gotten to know and that is the character that child predators will play that will play this nice trusting person who is you know always going out of their way to help you when they could do no wrong and so it's unfortunate that people get in these situations where they feel like you know they don't have a voice like and she can't voice that to her partner But the best thing you can do is just keep on that conversation. If it doesn't work, just keep watching your child around that person and just trust your gut.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's such great advice. I know we can't control everything that happens to our children, but so many parents want to do what's best for our child and want to protect them from the lifetime of trauma that we talked about earlier. What is the best way we can protect our children against sexual abuse? The best way
0: to protect your children is
1: make sure you are educating them. You
0: need to educate your children from a young age. And you can start with body boundary books as young as three years old. Um, And again, I will send you some amazing books that you can share with your followers. Get them educated in body boundaries, but also be educating yourself as a parent to look out for the signs. So there's, there's so many resources now on the internet that you can access that will teach you what signs to look out for. I've shared a couple on my page and I'm happy to send that to you as well. Um, another one is to, so a lot of people will use nicknames for, you know, private areas, for example, like Cookie or Willie or something like that make sure you are using the correct terms. So vagina, penis, you need to be teaching that to your children. And I know it's, it feels inappropriate and it feels weird and, and stuff like that, but if you're teaching your child nicknames and a child predator is trying to groom your child and hears them using nicknames, they know that they haven't been educated, so they become a target. If your child is using the word penis and vagina, they know that you've spoken to them about this and they will they most likely will leave your child alone. So, And, and not just that, if you, God forbid, you know, your child is sexually abused and you have to go to court, if your child's using nicknames, it really makes it hard to prove what happened. And there has been cases where it's been thrown out because the child hasn't used the appropriate words. So make sure your children are educated in the right words, Again, body boundaries, educate yourself and always be checking in with your children. Like I I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. With my nine and seven-year-old, they have quite a basic understanding of child sexual abuse. They they understand that it can be anyone. It's not just a stranger. We're, we're very focused on stranger danger, but it is really more likely to be within your circle. So they know not to trust Not even their grandparents, not even you know their uncle or their auntie. It's very important that you're teaching that. Like, make sure they know. It can be anyone at any, even a teacher. So you don't want your children to easily trust people, and you don't want to be easily trusting to other people as well with your child. Um, But education is absolute key. Keep checking in with your children. I'm constantly checking in with mine. And just keep having that talk with them. No one's allowed to touch their body. They can't. You can teach them consent,
1: but also teach them that children can't consent, especially to an adult. I love how you talk about giving the actual anatomical names for the private parts instead of the nicknames. And that's so disheartening that cases have actually been thrown out over that. There's actually a story that I continuously hear on
0: social media about a little girl who was calling her vagina cookie and she told a teacher at her school that another teacher was touching her cookie and this teacher actually said to her well it's nice to share your cookie or something along those lines and it resulted in further sexual abuse. So that's why it's really important. I know it feels strange to be talking to your children so young about this, but it's happening when they're really young. I was sexually abused at the age of four and I was not educated, so I had no idea that it was wrong. I didn't know that it was wrong at all. I thought it was normal. Um, and it's just like road safety. We teach our children how to safely cross the road. We teach our children that a car could be a threat. So it's the same principle here. You should be teaching your child that anyone can be a threat and you're teaching your child how to safely go on through life at a young age without being sexually abused. Oh, another one. (laughs) I just remembered this one. (laughs) Another one is to make sure you have a safe space for your child to come to tell you anything. A lot of the time, child predators will actually tell the child that they're going to you know they're threatening to kill you to kill your parents to kill a family pet is a very common one um or they'll tell them you know your mum won't believe you or like i'm going to go to jail so make sure you're letting your child know about all those things that could happen and that it doesn't matter what they say to you that you will believe them that they can come to you for anything that you will not get angry at them I think that's one of the most important is that a lot of children don't feel like they can go to their parents with that. And they don't. I I know people who tell me about their sexual abuse and they're in their 40s and they haven't even told their parents. So it's just really, really important to open up that safe space and that conversation with the child.
1: I can imagine as a child just being so scared, hearing those threats, but having that open conversation with them and letting them know that, you know, mommy and daddy will never be mad at you. You can come to us for anything. I can just be such a powerful tool for protecting our children.
0: Absolutely,
1: Make sure, yeah, just make sure that you guys are on your
0: kids all the time while they're young because it's it's just unfortunately happening so much. In Australia, it's one in three girls and one in five boys will be sexually abused by their 18th birthday. I don't know what your stats are over there, But I can tell you they'd be pretty similar. It's unfortunately very common. Watch your babies. Watch them like a hawk.
1: Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, I would rather be called a helicopter parent or whatever people want to throw at me instead of letting my child have a lifetime of trauma. If that makes me paranoid or a helicopter parent or what have you, I'll gladly take the brunt of that. But if that means protecting my child from that, all day, every day, you can call me a helicopter parent. Absolutely. I get that too. And I see a lot of people saying that, especially when
0: I see the arguments with sleepovers. I I see that, oh, you're a helicopter parent and you're overprotective. You You know what, you have to teach your children resilience, but you do not have to teach them resilience against child sexual abuse. That is your job to protect them. And unfortunately, being so common, you do have to take drastic measures to protect your kids. It's not about stopping your kids from going to parties or stopping them from living their life. It's about making sure they're educated and making sure you are educated and that you are watching people who are in your space around your children.
1: Absolutely. Well, Mel, this has been so lovely. You are just such a gem, so insightful, and you have shared so many wonderful things with my audience. Tell my audience where they can find you. What are your social media handles?
0: So I am only on Instagram and YouTube. Unfortunately, TikTok doesn't allow my videos, so I can't be on there, but you can find me I know it's it's sad, but you can find me at Mel Watson official. I share a lot of tips on my page about um, keeping your children safe, what to look out for, signs to look out for, and I do share a lot of other advocates and um, people who are doing amazing work in this space. So definitely come on over if you want to look like if you want to know how to look after your children more in terms
1: of child sexual abuse. I will help you guys out. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here, Mel. You are awesome. And I'm sure these tips are going to be super helpful for my audience.
0: No, And thank you for having me, Maddie. And let me just say, I love what you do. I love what you stand for. And I think the way you are teaching parents to look out for their children these days in any way is just beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet.